What's up, fam? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Brown Girl White Coat podcast. Today, you guys have me, Aaliyah, and we have a very exciting episode for you guys today. I have an amazing, sweet, boss woman, family medicine physician, Dr. Asra Mazhar. She is amazing. We had such an amazing conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear about it. She has really good tidbits of information for you guys about the COVID-19 vaccine. Very time-relevant information. And she's going to also be sharing her experience about why she picked family medicine, her experience through residency, her experience with motherhood in residency, and then now how it was finding jobs as an attending. So I can't wait for you guys to hear all of the amazing things we talked about. But right before we get into today's episode, I have a little exciting message for you guys. I am so excited to say that this episode of Brown Girl White Coat Podcast is sponsored by Pixarize. I personally am ecstatic because I actually used this resource when I was studying for my board exams. And for those that do not know, Pixarize is an amazing video service. It provides visual memory hooks for all things step one or level one. And I personally use them for biochemistry. They have an extensive video list of different biochemistry topics, things from lysosomal storage diseases to glycogen storage diseases, autosomal dominant diseases, chromosomal abnormalities, etc. I even loved using them for the different vitamins and memorizing all of those. But now that you have immunology videos, pharmacology videos, and microbiology videos. It's really amazing. I personally use them myself. And I especially love Pixarize because it just makes it easier to remember things that are almost impossible to remember. So if you're interested in using Pixarize, whether it's for your board studying or any other classes, we have a code for you guys. It's BGWC15, so brown girl white coat, for 15% off any of their packages. And I'll also put the code in the description as well if you guys are interested. So with no more further delays, let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone, I am so excited for you all to meet our amazing guest today. I'm going to go ahead and have her introduce herself to you guys. Hi, everyone. My name is Esra Muzzer. I am an osteopathic physician and newly minted family medicine attending. Um, I just recently graduated residency in June of this past year and started as a family med physician in September. Um, But prior to that, I went to medical school at Pacific Northwest University. I'm a Washington Pacific Northwest gal for my entire life. And I also went to residency um, in Washington as well. And I am now practicing here. I'm also a mom to an almost two-year-old, and I'm married to a hospitalist, also fresh grad from residency. Perfect. That's amazing. And I believe your husband did internal medicine, yes, if I'm not mistaken. Perfect. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have some really exciting stuff to talk about. We're going to be discussing the COVID-19 vaccine, as well as uh, why she chose family medicine and a lot of details about that. So I hope you guys stick around for that. So right before we jump into all of that fun stuff, I like to start off with the segments. That's a tradition here on this podcast. And that is your highs and lows. So the best part of your life right now, and then the lows in your life. And 
You can start with either one, whichever you're more comfortable with. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to definitely start off with my highs. Um, I am a mother, as I said, and definitely the best part of my day is coming home and spending time with him. He truly reminds me of the innocence of childhood and just that that process of questioning everything and learning. And so it's truly one of my highs of life is just um, being a mother and being a mother to a very curious and crazy toddler, which has been amazing. Um, the lows. And so this is an interesting one because, you know, in life, we don't necessarily tend to focus on the lows, but we are in the middle of a pandemic. And that is something that I think all of us have been struggling with on a day to day. Um, so I think particularly my lows would be that lack of connection that I've had not only with my patients, but with my extended family members, um, not being able to see people have that close connection. I'm, I'm very thankful for um, social media and Zoom and these types of um, conversations, but that's definitely a low. This pandemic has hit hard in many ways. Yes, I agree. And especially because we, a lot of people don't notice, but we're approaching almost you know, because in March, it'll be a year of dealing with it ever since the shutdown and everything. So yes. this new normal for us, you know, being on Zoom and social media, it's it's nice to have that ability to connect still. But I mean, the little things like just walking to a restaurant without a mask, having a big gathering of people at your house, like these are things that I definitely miss too. So I understand exactly where you're coming from with that. Yes. And um, soon we can uh, hopefully put this behind us. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the dream. That's, yes. you know, hopefully I agree. Yes. Um, okay. And then the next uh, question I have for you is what is the one thing right now that we all need to go buy? Oh, that is a great one. Well, you know, I'm a little bit biased. I would say mm -hmm. the one thing that everyone needs to go buy is like, uh, an audiobook subscription. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge podcast and audiobook enthusiast. <laughs> um, I think that this is also kind of a perk of the pandemic is that I've just yes. read or listened to so many books. And so whatever media that you like, I think knowledge is power and just having yes. the capability of like getting all this information through books or podcasts. There's just so many great mm -hmm. things out there that go, go buy something that um, allows you to be exposed to all of that. That's yes. yeah, one thing that's, I would say. That's awesome that you bring that up because with the pandemic, my sister started reading and she's so into it now that she bought a bookshelf and she's collecting books now. I love that. It's so cute, but that is something a lot of people started doing, which is really awesome, mm -hmm. honestly, because if you think about it, I think before the pandemic, like reading was starting to fall off. Like people weren't yeah. reading as much. It was more like, I mean, people are still watching TV shows, so don't get me wrong, but, right. um, but that's awesome. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing that of all right so yes i would like to start off this episode by discussing the covid19 vaccine there is a lot of uncertainty around it a lot of it has been politicized a lot of people are making it a partisan issue which it is not right it's a public health issue Definitely. and so i'm just curious especially as you're a family medicine you know, attending and you have extensive knowledge in this, and this is literally your career is, is public health and prevention and all of that kind of medical care. What your opinion is, if you have any knowledge to spread, or if you have resources people can use and well, it's, it'll be more of a discussion and we can kind of go through and educate people about the vaccine. Yeah, so the COVID-19 vaccine, you know, back in March when this pandemic began, or even in February when we had the first cases, 
we did not expect to come this far, um, almost less than a year in. And thankful to our public health officials and the numerous scientists across the world in the United States that have come together collectively to get the research and um, the necessary information to provide us this, uh, you know, literally life-saving and groundbreaking vaccine. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a family med doctor and I'm a huge proponent of vaccines in general. And this one is very similar to all of the other vaccines that I recommend to my patients. Um, we've already seen kind of the hardship and the trials and tribulations that COVID-19 has done to us as a society and the significant number of deaths that we have seen. I've seen those personally. I've seen my patients suffer through that. Um, and truly yeah. this, this vaccine is like a blessing. Absolutely. Yes, I agree for sure. I think that um, a lot of people are kind of running with what is being said in the in the media. And, you know, I do understand that there is a little bit of nerves and, you know, around it, but I think it's also important we give you guys some facts. So yes. pretty much, um, I did a little bit of research. So on the FDA website, fda.gov. Um, so on December 11th, 2020, the US FDA had issued its first emergency use authorization to use the COVID-19 vaccine in ages 16 and over. And this was for the Pfizer bio and tech vaccine. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the vaccine and what kind of vaccine it is. So it's an mRNA yeah. vaccine. Um, did you want to touch on that or did you? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have done a lot of studies on mRNA vaccines and I know that's one of the things that often come up as questions. This is a new vaccine. We've never heard of an mRNA vaccine before. Okay. Um, and that is partially correct, but partially incorrect. Um, we have had mRNA research and studies to back this vaccine for about 30 years or more. And so, yeah we are compounding all of that research. And like I said, with the various scientists to put all of their efforts into this vaccine. So yes, it is a new mRNA vaccine, but we are very, very familiar with how it works and how it will provide us that protection from COVID-19. Yes. So for those that don't know what an mRNA vaccine is, just in case you're listening, you're not in the medical field. So what it is, I actually got this straight from the FDA website. So what it does is it uses a spike protein. This protein is found on the surface of the virus. And what it does is it's going to instruct immune cells in your body to create an immune response. And what it does is in, in turn, it's gonna make antibodies against the virus. So there's one big myth that's been kind of floating around and I've been seeing it on Facebook a lot is that it quote, will alter your DNA, right? right. Um, I got this straight from the Mayo Clinic website. So how an mRNA vaccine works is what it does, like I said, is it uses a spike protein to trigger an immune response, but that's not going to interact or do anything with your DNA because once your body uses it to make the instructions to make these immune cells and antibodies against the virus, your body actually breaks down the mRNA. So your actual DNA is not going to be impacted. So I just wanted to clear exactly. that up for people that were um, a little confused about that. Yeah. And I think another important point about that in the altering of DNA is that it's physiologically impossible yeah. for an mRNA vaccine to yeah. penetrate into the nucleus of a cell and yeah. affect our DNA. And I think that like pure scientific, you know, we learned it in the first year of medical school yeah. and how these vaccines 
vaccines work. And it's critical to know that there's no way that it can penetrate the nucleus of the cell to actually even get in contact with our DNA in order to make those alterations. But you're exactly correct in that it does allow our bodies to create a response to that vaccine. Um, and that immune response will allow us to attack this in the future. Exactly, exactly. Um, so as I was doing some research, uh, I've, I've, I was noticing a lot of people, they're saying that this is quote, not FDA approved yet. This is technically an emergency use authorization. Right. So the FDA approved it to be used for, you know, quote, an emergency use authorization, but it's not technically FDA approved yet. And the reason it's not is because, quote, this is straight from the FDA, the significant known and potential risks and benefits of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine and the extent to which such, such risks and benefits are unknown. Uh, but with that being said, in the ongoing clinical trial, it's been shown to prevent COVID-19 following two doses that are given three weeks apart. However, the duration of protection is unknown. So that is something I feel like it would be responsible to share just because some people are saying it's not FDA approved. I think, you know, that's great. And I will also add that, you know, we thankfully have um, trials from two different companies, the Moderna and the Pfizer trials. And we yes. know that Moderna had about 30,000 yes. participants and Pfizer had around 44, 45,000. Mm -hmm. um, and based off of all of that, um, after the two dose series, 95% efficacy in this yeah. um, vaccine with no adverse effects. Now there are some uh, post reaction vaccine um, events that can happen, but no adverse effects, no deaths from the vaccine at all. Yes. Exactly. And I actually had the side effects pulled up. So something that people don't realize is when you get any kind of vaccine, the immune response that your body generates can make you feel a little sick, maybe a little tired, a little fatigued, things like that. People think that that's a reaction to the vaccine when really it's just the immune response that your body's making from the vaccine. You can't get COVID-19 from this vaccine. You just can't because you're, they're not injecting COVID into you. They're injecting just the spike protein. Exactly. Um, and so yes, it is not a live virus. So that's exactly. very, very important. And, and some people are fearful that, you know, perhaps they will develop that, but yes, exactly. you're exactly right. There's no possible way to get COVID-19, you know, just the vaccine itself. Exactly. And so the FDA posted their side effects, quote, and it's, you know, pain at the injection site, tiredness, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, fever, injection site, swelling or redness, nausea, feeling unwell and swollen lymph nodes, uh, which is pretty common with almost any vaccine and it's possible to get it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you got sick from the vaccine. So just to make sure that people know that. Definitely. I tell people that those responses yes. are showing me that your immune system is working. Yes. That yes. immune system response to the vaccine and those symptoms that you have are showing you that your body is creating antibodies um, and that's exactly. an appropriate response. Yes, exactly. Okay, awesome. And then there's also, if, for, if you guys are curious, if you have any more questions, the Mayo Clinic has a really good uh, like myth buster and it pretty much you know debunks the myth that the COVID vaccine is not safe, that it says, if I already had COVID-19 and recovered, I don't have to get the COVID-19 vaccine. There's severe side effects with the vaccine. I won't need to wear a mask after getting the vaccine. These are all myths. And so, you know, we could go through all of these right now, but it's a pretty long article. So if you guys are curious, you can go to Mayo Clinic. 
uh, and read about the COVID-19 vaccine myths that were debunked. But yeah, I just wanted to touch on that, educate people about it. I think, you know, being in this pandemic, granted I'm a fourth year medical student, you're a fully, you know, licensed <laughs> physician. So this is why I loved, I wanted a doctor on to talk about this because, you know, at the end of the day, this is your profession. This is exactly your expertise. Uh, but, you know, we are in a pandemic and everyone wanted solutions and wanted answers. We had unlimited resources and funding to produce this vaccine. And now people want to debunk it and say it's unsafe. It's fair that you want to research and it's very fair that you want to be safe and look out for your family and your loved ones. Uh, but we're not going to get out of a pandemic if we don't find a prevention right. method for it. So, um, yes, yeah. I encourage everybody who has the capability to, to actually read the trials and mm -hmm. get involved in that research that has been done because after you are able to go through all of that, you can truly see how much effort has been put into this vaccine. I often hear that, you know, quote unquote, it's been rushed or this is too yes. soon. And that's the hesitancy around it. Um, but in reality, we've combined some of the, the best minds in medicine yes. and research to get this vaccine together. And so after, you know, reading some of the, the trial and the literature that's out there, it truly blows your mind. Um, yes. And I can tell you that a lot of my colleagues and myself are very, very excited about getting the vaccine ourselves. Yes. And some have already done so so <laughs> yes oh trust me I'm excited too I was at you know a lot of my classmates we have a group chat and we're like when are medical students gonna get it <laughs> you know we, we don't count right now you know it's going to all the healthcare workers the physicians on the front lines even though us as med students we're still working on the front lines alongside the doctors but it's not exactly um available to us just yet but I know for a fact when it is available, I will be jumping on that. So, yes, um, yes. And I'm hopeful that all on the front lines, you know, regardless yes. of, of status, you know, you're exactly right. Medical students just alongside physicians. I mean, I was a medical student not too long ago, and I can tell you that sometimes, that, especially at the start of the pandemic in residency, I was seeing more COVID-19 positive wow. patients than my attendings were. So wow. yes. I'm a huge advocate yes. for that. Yes. Oh, I wish I was your med student. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information with us. And I, you know, if you guys have any questions, you can feel free to uh, message me or Dr. Mazhar as well. Yes. Um, and we'll obviously be sharing your Instagram and all of that fun stuff too, because she has a really amazing right. page, you guys. So, um, all right. So another thing I really want to talk about with you uh, is why you chose family medicine. Family medicine is an amazing field. For those that don't know, family medicine is essentially, literally, you're an expert in almost everything. You're an expert in women's health. You're an expert in adult health. You're an expert in pediatric health, uh, and much more. So I was curious why you chose family medicine and just your experience in residency, if you could share that with us. Yes. So I came into medical school being very open-minded about what I wanted to do and, and the fields that I was interested in. And I found myself going through each and every rotation, absolutely loving it. I could see myself yes. as a pediatrician. <laughs> I could see myself as a, a general surgeon or an ER doc. Um, and I got to my family medicine rotation and I found that all of the skills and the things that excited me in the other rotations, I could apply directly to family medicine. Yes. You know, I, I saw children, I saw OB patients, I delivered babies, I yes. did um, in-office procedures, joint injections, IUD, you know, IUDs and um, various procedures that I'm like, I did not know prior to medical school that a family med doc could be yep. so diverse. Um, and throughout my medical school experience, that basically solidified um, my rationale as to why I wanted to go into family medicine. And then in residency was truly like, 
an eye opener. Like I'm so thankful that I decided on choosing this field because I felt like it was the best fit for my personality and my goals in medicine. You know, going into medicine, I always wanted to be able to connect with my patients, have that one-on-one interaction and develop those relationships. And I feel like family medicine truly allows me to do that. Um, and allows me to have, you know, the variety that I seek in my day to day. So I see, you know, a kid one day and then I see an elderly patient and I do an IUD insertion and, you know, I I chose not to do OB, um, in my attending life, but I did a lot of that in residency Residency. and I truly, truly enjoyed it. So that flexibility, um, and like I said, just, just something that I felt like fit well with my Mm -hmm. personality was a huge reason. Um, And residency definitely solidified that for me, especially the continuity clinic, you know, having those relationships with my patients for three years throughout residency was phenomenal. I've had the best connections and Mm -hmm. it's taught me more in medicine than medical school altogether. So it's really been amazing. Interrupting this episode for another quick word from our sponsor for today. Pixarize, yes, I've used it for step one. I use it during clinics, but did you know that Pixarize also has an amazing MCAT platform? They have videos, everything from biology to um, psych and sociology topics. Those are, we all know, those are straight memorization. Things like personality disorders, Maslow's hierarchy, Maslow's pyramid, different social cognitive theories, those are all straight memorization. And these cute little videos, similar to the same ones that I'm using for step one, are also available for MCAT. So give it a try if you have a hard time memorizing things. I think it's definitely worth it to try a different way to memorize. So again, if you're interested in trying out either the step one or MCAT platform, you guys can use our code bgwc15 bgwc for brown girl white coat 15 for 15 percent off any of the packages on their website i hope you guys ace your exams and let's get back to the episode yeah and you know something that uh, i hear a lot from med students is i don't know what i want to do i like everything you know and i think that people forget like there's different types of people. Some people want to be just honed in on one thing, one type of specialty, nothing else. And then there's people that kind of like a little bit of everything. And if you find yourself loving, you know, the OB patients, loving the PEDS patients, loving the geriatric patients, loving just regular adult medicine, Mm -hmm. then family medicine is literally all of that. And what I love about family medicine, and, you know, I was actually really close to doing family medicine before I did PEDS. And I realized, you know, I really just want to focus on the kids. But one thing that people don't know enough about FM and what's so beautiful about it is it's so flexible and you can make it what you want it to be in your attending life. So I know people that did family medicine that end up just doing like adult clinic with like, I am doctors in a, and then there's some that will do like women's health clinic only. Like Mm -hmm. one of the doctors that I worked with in third year, she was the program director of the family medicine residency, but she was only responsible for the women's health care at the family medicine clinic. So she literally, all she did was IUDs and women's health Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and like, even she would see like pregnant women and things like that, all her guy patients. So you can, do that you can see a a more heavy peds clinic so you can make it literally what you are you're one of the only doctors that's actually board certified in all of them so that's something that's really amazing about family medicine if you find yourself if you're you know a pre-med right now or even a med school and you realize i kind of like everything then open your eyes up to family med and and really be engaged during your family medicine rotations because you'll get a lot out of it and then if you're an osteopathic physician you really like omm family medicine is a beautiful field to incorporate that into as well definitely 
Definitely. You're exactly right. I always encourage people to, you know, family med is kind of uh, the generic, like catch all fields. And sometimes people don't consider it until they actually rotate through the the field and see the variety that we deal with on a day to day. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that all of, you know, the attendings and the colleagues that I have met that have gone into family medicine truly love it just for the the purpose of interacting with patients and Mm -hmm. having those relationships. Mm -hmm. And you're exactly right. You know, I know family med docs that have gone on to do fellowships in various things like ER or urgent. Mm -hmm. hospitalist medicine so it is so versatile you can truly do anything exactly and that's another thing I like when I was doing my internal medicine rotation my attending was a family medicine doctor who had a hospitalist fellowship so you know that's what's so amazing if you you know you kind of love all of it you go through residency you get trained through all of it and then you can even you know, find your niche in family medicine as well. So it's one of the only fields that gives you so much flexibility. So an amazing field. And I'm really excited that you're here to talk to us about that as well. So thanks for sharing that. I'm always a huge (laughs) proponent of it. I tell people if you are at all debating contact me and I will convince you yes. to go into family medicine. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. I love it. A lot of, actually, I want to say, so I have a little group chat with me and all my friends and I want to say all of us, except me and another friend who's doing, I am, and I'm doing peds, everyone else is doing family medicine. So it's oh, a nice. very popular field. I love it. it. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, so you did residency in family medicine and then you decided to go ahead and pursue, you know, no fellowships and you just went straight into attending life. So, you know, there's two different roads. You can kind of fork and go, to do a fellowship or you can do, you know, more primary care and job search during third year. So how was the job hunting experience like, especially as a mom? And what were your thought process when you decided you didn't want to do fellowship and you wanted to go ahead and be an attending? Yeah, you know, I debated a lot of this throughout my um, residency training and do I like hospitalist medicine enough to do a fellowship or sports medicine or an obstetrics fellowship. Um, And I realized that I truly just liked the variety that I had in my day to day. Um, That and you know, you're exactly right. Being a mother, it definitely allowed me to see a different form of myself and my priorities in life change uh, for the better. I think, you know, prior to becoming a mother, I was like, I'm going to do I'm going to study for the rest of my life and I still will do that. (laughs) But I think my priority shifted a little bit and family medicine allowed me to have that flexibility. So I decided that I was going to work part time um, and still be able to spend time with my kiddo at home, but still be able to have a fulfilling career in medicine. So that was my priority while job searching in my um, second end of second year, early third year of residency. I basically looked at jobs and one, the location that I wanted to move into. So for my husband and I, um, we actually couples matched into residency and we went to medical school together. And so we knew that obviously we wanted to be um, in an area that we both could have jobs. And so that was the first part of our job search. And I can tell you, and I tell all of my um, you know, fellow uh, residency colleagues this as well, that it just starts off with truly a Google search. Start searching yes. for places that you want to uh, be in and then look at those um, either clinics or those environments and start to interview. And that that gave me the, the best outlook of, you know, is this a clinic that I could see myself fitting into? Is this a patient population that I want to serve? And through that process, you know, after going through a couple interviews, very, very different from medical school and residency interviews and that people are wanting you, which is a total yes. different experience. Yes. That that allowed me to see that, you know, that the current job that I'm in was the best fit for me. And I hope to be in that job long term. But yeah, it's it's not something that I learned in yes. medicine um, prior to the job search. I'm like, how do I do this? I how do I find a good job for me? But 
I'm curious, you know, this, this topic actually really does intrigue me because I know one of your co-residents, she's, uh, she does like, she has a YouTube channel. She talks about yes. also working part-time. And so this is something that's becoming more common as working part-time. And it's something that, you know, although I am interested in fellowship, I'm also keeping a super open mind because, you know, life will change overnight. You don't know what's in the cards for you. Yes. And so this idea of working part-time is something that I didn't think really existed for doctors, but it's becoming more popular. And so I'm curious when you were job hunting and you told these places, says I want to work part-time because I you know I want to focus on my family was it received well or did you feel like you it was hard to find a job that took part-time that's a great question I'm going to be completely honest um it was not received as good as I thought it was going to be at first and I think that largely has to do with where I'm living you know I'm living in Seattle and Seattle Washington mm. is saturated it has you know mm. many different areas that people want to work um it's a city it's beautiful and gorgeous out here and I think that was part of it but I will say that that's the way I, I weeded places out you know if places were not comfortable yes. with me being flexible in my job role um or in the amount of time that I wanted to put into it, that wasn't the place for me. And there were many places that were totally open to part-time work and they were totally flexible because one, to me, that meant that they prioritized physician wellness. Yes. For me to be the best doctor that I can be, I need to have time for my family and I need yes. to have a little bit of time away from medicine. And to know that they prioritize that, that ultimately meant, you know, maybe this is the spot for me. Yeah. So I think that's so important when people are 100%. looking for jobs, you're going to get negative reactions and you're going to get a lot of positives. And that should yes. help formulate your decision making. I agree. And honestly, I love hearing that. And that's why I really want this message to reach so many people that medicine is so, so, so it's yeah. just so broad. You know, you can be working, you know, 80 hours a week, even as an attending, like hardcore, like yep. surgeon, whatever. And you can do part-time in any of the specialties as well. And so especially women that want to balance a family life with also being, you know, a boss woman doctor, you can literally do both and to see a person actually doing it like a real example is really important to share and so I, I'm really happy that you're sharing that with us and I would like if you would also share your experience with motherhood and residency especially because like I said you know physician wellness is so important and programs that don't prioritize that whether it's residency mm -hmm. or an, you know an attending position is just not the place for you and you know if you could talk a little bit about how it was do, you know with uh, motherhood and residency and how your program received that. Yes. So I will say that um, medicine is tough, right? We know it. Um, it. It should not be glamorized. Residency, mm -hmm. especially the hours of time that you put in are grueling. I mean, it's meant to make you a better physician in that process, ultimately to give you that exposure. Um, but I knew that I also wanted to be a mother and I knew that very, very early on in my life. Um, so I knew that, you know, in order to, to get my professional and personal goals, I, I wanted to do both. And thankfully I had great role models that I knew that it was possible to do both. So we decided to have a baby and I had um, my son in the early third year of my pregnancy. And it was also my chief year of residency. So all of that, I was like, how am I going to handle all of this? And there was lots of nerves and there was lots of fear. Yeah. But I will tell you that after I told my program, they were so incredibly supportive. Wow. Um, 
both throughout my my pregnancy. Um, I you know I worked all the way up into my delivery after my delivery, taking some time off. Um, it is a tough time. Residency is a tough time to be a mother or deliver a baby, be a first time mom for one. You know, there's not a lot of protections that are in place for residents. But I'm a huge huge advocate of speaking with your your program and you know gauging what they yes. what they think even in the future. You know, are there other residents in the program that have had children? Yes. What does maternity leave look like? And you know, how do you cater to that? Um, in some situations, programs will give you red flags. And honestly, that yes. means that's not a spot for you. If those are in yes. your goals, it's it should not be something that you're fearful of. And thankfully, I was very, very supported by my residency program. That's amazing. And that's a really, really good point that you make because there are programs that are not really family friendly. And mm-hmm. as I've been interviewing, that's been one question I've been asking, not necessarily because I even plan to have kids during residency, but I think a program that has put protections in place for women physicians that want to have kids during residency, or even male physicians that want to have, you know, children start a family as well. That shows me that that program has taken the time to prioritize physician wellness, to prioritize the importance of family. There are programs I've been interviewing at that have like something called like a breastfeeding elective or a parenting elective where they give you a month to still continue your education, not even have Mm -hmm. to prolong your residency, but give you an extra month off. But um, I was actually interviewing yesterday at a program and the PD told me something that was actually really shocking. I had no idea this was in place. But apparently the ACGME is implementing now mandatory six week time off for, for new mothers. And it does not affect your timeline for residency. So I was like, uh, about time. (laughs) Round breaking, right? Um, Why wasn't this in place years and years and years ago of all the women that have gone through this? I mean, I'm very thankful that this is in place because I think it's absolutely essential. Those first few weeks after giving, you know, giving birth and not only your recovery, but that bonding with your child is so, so essential. Um, So I think that's amazing. And all women, you know, who want to have kids should take advantage of that. 100%. I mean, you guys, when I, when I heard that, that just made my day because I mean, I know we have a lot of ground to cover in medicine and the culture of medicine. And that's a whole nother episode we could talk about for years. It's just the culture of medicine and how it needs to be more wellness friendly. But like I said, that's a, that's a whole nother situation, but to see, you know, residents having children to see that there are programs implementing these electives to make it easier to see the ACGME making mandatory time off now for moms, which it never used to have before, you know, without extending your residency, at least, is really nice and refreshing. And honestly, that wouldn't have happened if there wasn't advocacy, that wouldn't happen if there wasn't people speaking up about it. And that wouldn't happen if program directors weren't progressive and wanted to implement these changes as well. Exactly. Because over 50% of medical students are female now. And so this is an inevitable thing for women who want to have children and expand their families. This is going to come up over and over again. So yes, I'm excited for the future and hopefully it only continues to get better, especially as moms um, get into medicine and decide to have children early on in their lives. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited. We got to chat. Uh, We had some really good conversations and it means so much to me that you are here to chat with us and share all that good information with us. Um, But before we finish up the episode, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Any words of wisdom, any advice? Um, You know, you're also a woman of color in medicine. So I think you have, you know, so much uh, advice and, and words of wisdom you could possibly share with the audience listening. 
Yes. So I just want to say, you know, for all aspiring, you know, females in medicine or really any career where we are not uh, predominant in those careers, I want you to take those risks. And, you know, those are the tough decisions that you have to make and it can make you feel really uncomfortable. But those risks that you take, whether it's putting yourself out there, whether asking questions or asking about, you know, motherhood in in medicine, um, prioritize yourself because no one else is going to do that for you. I mean, I think women are now standing up for each other more than they ever have in the past before, but you are your own advocate no matter which field that you go into, especially bringing, being a brown female in medicine and yes. part of that minority and that cultural shift that happens. I think that it's so very important for us to advocate for ourselves and our colleagues um, throughout this process. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is find mentors. Find mentors early on in your journey and get gain everything you can from them because that whole process will provide you with, I mean, unlimited resources. Exactly. Um, and, you know, now social media has provided us great opportunities for that. You know, there's lots of women in medicine on social media, brown mm-hmm. women in medicine that serve as role models and for both myself and, you know, a lot of other people. And so I, I look up to these people and I know that it's possible because they have done it. Yes. Um, and hopefully we continue to see these faces around and all of the groundbreaking things that women are doing. Yes, I agree. Um, And also you guys can follow her on her Instagram. She has an amazing page. It's so inspiring. She has really cute reels. So if you'd like to share your Instagram so people can follow you. Sure. My Instagram handle is at marriedinmedicine, um, married.in.medicine. So yeah, send me a message on Instagram if you guys are around. I'm um, all for, you know, advocating for women and this profession in family medicine. So I look forward to connecting with you all. Thank Thank you. you for having me on here and um I just want to say what an amazing job you are doing by by getting people on here and talking about important issues I think this is amazing thank you that that really touched me thank you so much I'm just so excited to have you here I'm excited to talk about all these different topics with everyone and just share all this information with people so thank you again I really appreciate having you thank you so much Bye. All right, guys. So thank you so much for sticking with me to the end of this episode. It was such a good one, super lighthearted and an easy listen, but also super informative with really good information that I wanted you guys to hear. I want to thank Dr. Esra Mazhar. She's amazing. I've been following her for years. I love her journey. She is just the most genuine person and such a boss woman who's also an amazing family woman. And that's very inspiring to me. If you guys are interested in following her, which you definitely should, she has an amazing page. It's at Married in Medicine. So Married.in.medicine. Again, thank you for all the love you guys are showing our podcast. Make sure you're leaving reviews. It has made me so emotional just combing through the iTunes reviews. You guys are leaving us the most amazing feedback. I am ecstatic to be here and ecstatic to be putting out this content for you. And it really does mean so much to me that you guys are showing us so much love and listening to us and tuning in every week. That's the amazing thing about having us three new co-hosts on is we are putting out weekly episodes for you guys. So please don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Brown Girl White Coat Podcast. And with that, I thank you for making this podcast a part of your day wherever you are.